See, that's what happens when uh, Rob or Providence comes on the program and starts telling me what a professional I am. I lose all sense of being a professional and forget to start the program on time. Rob, you're responsible for that. I'm not going to take the blame because you were complimenting the show and me and uh, just distracted me. It's like a shiny object. Yes, I am. I had both broadcasts going, and so I was here in Echoville. I was in a tunnel there for a minute. That's what Brit usually does. Well, welcome to the club. That's nice. Hey, Drew, good to see you again. Nice. Um, all right. I'm not sure if I like the yeah. doors better than the bare walls. Uh, I did like it when you pulled the fern in and the chair for that one episode, but clearly you decided it wasn't worth the effort to keep doing that. Well, that, that's not what happened exactly. <laughs> My wife disallowed it. So oh, okay. uh, that furniture came from the living room. And um, <laughs> we're still in, 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 I'm still in limbo about where my, uh, my studio is going to be because gotcha. my wife has a lot of input about what's going on. I see. Yeah, well, I don't blame her for disallowing you rearranging the furniture every time you come on the program. That's probably wise on her part. Britt, uh, you got balls you, tonight? Well, Do you have testicles me, tonight or what? Uh I think I have balls tonight. I'm going to give Drew some marital advice. Just ignore what she says and do what you want. It'll work out fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to see how that works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. JV here. Please take a minute and consider supporting the program. Our expenses are going up just like everyone else's. And it takes a lot to bring the show to you five nights a week. So we'd appreciate you going to the website, independencegang.com. Click on the Donate tab, or you can just type in independencegang.com slash donate. And spend a minute considering giving us a gift to help us fund our operations here. The Independence Gang is a labor of love, but there are expenses associated with it, and we appreciate your help. Oh, anyway, welcome to, every, welcome to everyone. Great to everybody along here. As you've seen already, we've got Drew and we've got Providence. Uh, I'm JV. We've got Britt here as well. If you notice on the little graphics below our faces here, we have our getter handles. Uh, Britt, yours is the same as your Twitter, though, right? Yours is the same. Uh, yeah, getter, Twitter, Gab, uh, Facebook, it's all the same. I was smart yeah, like that. That is smart. Problem with my name is that it's so common. J V Johnson, very very common. It's hard to get those uh, those handles anywhere, so I always have to add things. And then uh, it's been it's just it's just a real real uh, pain in the ass, quite frankly. Uh, I was going to change my same. Yeah, you are a real Johnson. I was going to change my name to something very very unique, uh, just because I've had such a common name all my life. In fact, if 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 you know me, you know me as Jim. So it's Jim Johnson. It doesn't get any more vanilla than that, Drew. Not, not not any more vanilla. You don't think Drew Thomas Allen, my three first names, are uh, more vanilla? <laughs> three for, you are a guy with three first names. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, well, it's better than it? William Thomas Allen the fourth. I think they should always die after the third, so that's what happened in my case. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so there you go. Okay, well, welcome, everybody, to the program. Great to have you all along. I'm going to remind you to subscribe or follow on multiple platforms. We were discussing before the show that Foxhole, as much as we love Foxhole, it's been cutting out recently. Like, we'll be in the middle of a program, and it'll just start spinning wheel of death and doesn't come back. That's because they're growing to the point where they're having trouble keeping up with uh, upgrading their servers and stuff to handle that growth. So subscribe elsewhere. And obviously, if you're a YouTube watcher, follower, viewer, whatever, uh, our days there will most likely be numbered, especially after some of the topics that we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, I'm, I always feel like this is the one that's going to make it permanent. Um, we've kind of skated by here a little bit because of our stream and delete policy, Britt. 
Stream and delete. Yeah, they will catch up to us eventually. But the other thing that sucks about it is when we delete our delete all our content, no one finds it down down road, down down calendar, so we don't grow anymore. So it kind of sucks. So please tell your friends. Yeah, uh, I want to start by talking about something that is kind of fun. Uh, I was watching one of the Fox News uh, programs last night, and they came up with this list of words that should be banished for 2022. This is from the Lake Superior State University. It's I don't know if it's a study. I don't know how they came up with these words, but I thought it was kind of interesting. And the one thing that really stood out for me uh, is that whatnot is not on this list. There is no whatnot of banished words for 2022. Britt, so you are safe. Whatnot is still okay. Well, good, because um, I'm not good at following rules or what the authorities <laughs> say, so... Um, although I think it is hotter if they were to tell me not to say it, and then I did say it. Yeah, well, you are a rule breaker. Uh, Drew, any of these on this list going to cause a problem for you, things that you use on a regular basis? Well, you know, given my personality, I'm trying to memorize everything on that list right now quickly to see if I can use them all in one uh, epic rant. <laughs> that would be impressive. <laughs> that would be really good if you could make that happen. Work on it. Uh, let us know when you're ready. Give me the high sign. Uh, Providence, anything on this is going to cause problems for your daily speech? Well, circle back is a part of my daily vocabulary, <laughs> um, something that I try to include in just about anything that I do. And it really should not be banished. In fact, I think it should be required uh, by order of mandate, if you ask me. So I don't know about what you guys think. Well, Jen Psaki is working very, very hard to make that uh, something that is required. In every sentence you utter, it, you should have to say, circle back. <laughs> the other word that she uses all the time is convey. So you need to be able to use circle back and convey Brit in every single sentence. Well, I did do a deep dive into this new normal. That being said, at the end of the day, I was asking for a friend about the supply chain, but he said, no worries. So wait, what? Yeah, okay, there you go. That wasn't bad. Uh, there's a couple that aren't on here that I wish were. One of them, and it drives me nuts, and I don't know how many of you guys watch The Five on Fox News. I, it's one of the programs I enjoy, I I enjoy watching. Uh, Greg Gutfeld, as much as I love Greg Gutfeld, he uses the word right at the end of sentences all the time, and it drives me crazy. It's one of those crutch words. Britt, you know how I am about crutch words, crutch mm -hmm. phrases, uh, and he does mm -hmm. that all the time. And I w and, and actually, it was the five that had this list up, and I'm, I wanted to send an email like express to them to say, hey, include right on this list. And the other thing that I thought of, and this is just one that I've heard, and I don't know how many people actually use it, but that hold please thing, you know, when you're... They, somebody asks you, you know, you're having a conversation and they need to come up with an answer. They hold, please. That thing kind of drives me nuts. Do you guys have any others that we should add to this list and whatnot is completely off, off, uh, off limits? So anybody? Uh, wow. I didn't know it was a test today. I would have studied. <laughs> no, you um, wouldn't have. Even if I you knew, this should be even added. if you knew it was a test, you wouldn't have added it. Oh, can, can we circle back it. on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me circle back. <laughs> what Wait, what? What should be added, Britt? I was going to hit How Dare You from Greta Thunberg, but my stream deck is down. So oh, so you just, okay. Play. All right. All right. Well, let's move on from there. I thought oh, it'd be kind of interesting to talk about that. Okay. So how many people are sick of hearing? One of the things that should have been on this list is the big lie, right? Uh, how many people are sick Ooh, of yeah. hearing the big lie? Well, it turns out that the big lie might not be such a lie after all. Uh 
particularly Imagine when it, that. particularly when it comes to Georgia. And this is the thing that's most infuriating about all of this is that the people claiming it's a big lie have spent zero time investigating, researching, asking questions about why other people might think there was a problem with our 20 20 presidential or not just presidential election but elections in general well it turns out that georgia is opening up an investigation into possible illegal ballot harvesting in 2020 now we had a story on i don't remember when it was brit at least a month ago it may have been it seems to me like it was more like october but i'm not sure where there's a group uh that's uh, it's a non-profit group uh i believe it's called true the vote yeah it's true the vote and they were doing some investigations into the Georgia election anomalies. And one of the things they found is that they found that every drop box for, that was uh, placed throughout Georgia for the 2020 election had a video surveillance camera on it. That was part of the agreement to place those drop boxes in those places. So they all had video cameras with surveillance footage. They reviewed every hour of the, the footage from those drop boxes. Now, think about this. Those drop boxes weren't there just on election day. They were there for months, or at least a month. And 24 uh, hours a days. day time, time. What's that, Britt? 24, uh, 30 days. 30 days. 30 so days they, they were there. 24 hours a day for 30 days. They watched, the, and I don't know how many hundreds of these boxes were placed around Georgia. But either way, they went through all of this footage, and they found evidence of ballot harvesting which is illegal in most the only state it's actually legal in is california brit you've got some explaining to do on that one but uh it's illegal drew does this surprise you no it doesn't surprise any of us who are paying attention and had a rational brain and a penchant for critical thinking uh throughout the election that was one of the significant substan uh, substantial problems that was raised from the very beginning and we know that's a very very lucrative means of well, you could call it stealing the election. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be going in and, and hacking into the system and changing votes. I mean, this is how it's done. When you go into neighborhoods and you separate the individual who's responsible for casting that vote from placing that ballot, and then you cast it for them and it changes hands, of course that's ripe for fraud. And so, no, it doesn't surprise me, but what's, what's so outrageous is now we're a year into this absolute disaster under this regime, and... We're still talking about this stuff. The things that we claimed that we were told to shut up, you know, that we were a threat to democracy for even bringing up these questions and asking for the investigation. Well, we have a president in the office because the Republicans were such pansies and folded like, you know, cheap lawn chairs um, that here we have this information. But up, oh, it's too late. And they calculated this all along. I knew it when, when they established that phony uh, office of the president elect. Right. I mean, that was when the fix was really in and when it was done. You know, they tried to give legitimacy to that, that to, to the results immediately, immediately. They got George Bush on board and everyone to come out and say, yep, it's all over. And yet we're still investigating, finding out that there was cheating. But it's too late. Here we go. It's infuriating. It's very infuriating. I want to read the statement here because this kind of outlines what this is about at this point. Uh, the Secretary of State for the state of Georgia, Raffensperger, uh, his office received a detailed complaint from the group True the Vote on November 30th saying it had assembled evidence that scores of activists, scores of activists worked with nonprofit groups to collect and deliver thousands of absentee ballots, often during the wee hours of the morning to temporary voting drop boxes 
that were distributed around the state during the pandemic. The evidence includes video footage as well as geolocation data from cell phones of more than 200 activists, Providence. This is, uh, this is, they've got a lot of detail here. They've got a lot of evidence here. And it's enough votes from what they're saying that it was an election changer. Yeah, we've known since about 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on election night when we saw those spikes <laughs> and those anomalies in the data. Uh, this is no surprise whatsoever. And uh, we've, you know, we're arriving at a point where we've uh, been, you know, over a year since the election with zero evidentiary hearings uh, because all we have, essentially what we had after the election was the the media uh, essentially replacing our judicial system and holding court for uh for us and uh gaslighting the country when there were thousands of sworn affidavits there were um states violating their own electoral laws and literally nobody would do anything about it now the primary fault i would put on this is on the gop who should have locked arms and who should have 100 percent uh, demanded to understand the results of the election. Now, the question really remains, did we just learn that uh, the uh, complexity of the multiple ways that the election uh, was suspected to be tampered with, is it something that it's possible to even resolve in that short period of a time? Or is it something four or five years later, maybe our, maybe our, our children's generation are going to be the ones to finally go through all the evidence because we're seeing nothing as far as movement and uh it's it's really it's a really a shame uh for this nation to be in this uh state well going further than that the democrats are threatening to end the filibuster in the senate in order to push through what they're calling the voting rights act which basically codifies all of these uh anomalies or what we would considered to be transgressions or unconstitutional measures. Uh, Britt, the evidence goes further than video footage and cell phone data. The group has also interviewed a Georgia man who admitted he was paid thousands of dollars to harvest ballots in the Atlanta metropolitan area during the November election and in the lead up up to the January 5th, 2021 Senate runoff for Georgia's two U.S. Senate seats. This guy says that they're paid, all of these people were paid 10 bucks per ballot. Ten bucks yep. per ballot. Yep. Uh, in L.A., uh, they're paying up to two hundred bucks a ballot for the recall election for Newsom. Up to two hundred bucks per ballot that you could steal. And man, mail theft is a big thing. Let's remember back. Uh, I believe it was a, it was Jack Posobiec, uh, and it was more. It was longer than October. It was a few months ago that I brought that up. Um, and it, I had that screen grab from Twitter. Jack Posobiec said he is hearing through his sources uh, video. There's video evidence of people with backpacks and gloves with gloves on grabbing stuffing the ballot boxes uh, uh, full of ballots. So gloves on to keep fingerprints off it maybe. But at that time, all we had were his sources. Today, Jack Posobiec is right and proven right. Here it is. There's video footage. This is why I, there's some people when they go, hey, my sources are saying I give them a little more credence than other people. Here it is proof. So let's think about Georgia. Georgia, Biden won Georgia by 12,284 votes. That's the margin of victory. We had uh, Stacey Abrams sue the state, the, the election commission of Georgia. They went into an agreement, whatever they call that, an arbitration agreement, where they took the signature verification. Uh, it was a seven-point system, and they knocked it all the way down to just one point to verify a signature. And basically, it was is there ink on the envelope? Okay, it's a good vote. A good vote. All the other stuff was taken away. 
We have this harvesting that was going on. We have the other rules of the election that were changed without going through the legislature, which is where it needs to be. So you have all this stuff happening. It's not just one thing. And this is why people tune out or look at me when I lay all this stuff out and they go, I'm crazy. No way. All that stuff could have happened. Well, we, we've, we've come up with the proof and the emails and the documents for the, Jace, the, the, the Abrams. And I forget the Secretary of State of Georgia's name. Ruffensberger, which signed off by the governor. We now have the documentation on, on, on uh, well, the document. We watched it happen. All the rules that were changed, uh, making the, ele- it's, it's not a day of electing. It's a month of electing now. Stuff like that. That's all changed. It has to go through the legislature. It did not. And we now have this investigation showing footage of the ballot boxes being stuffed. And I didn't even realize they had all the geo geolocations of cell phones from these activists. So, uh, you know, this whole thing's a scam. Trump legitimately won. The Bezos, Devos level billionaires, the One World Order, the New World, the Atlantic Foundation, the Soros, the the uh, the uh, the 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 World Economic Forum. This is all the the corporate oligarchs of the world saying, mm, no, no more Trump. Uh, sorry, America, we let you feel like you had a choice, but we're going to tell you what's going to happen from now. That's where we're at right now. And if we don't fucking turn this around uh, in 2022, 2024, uh, it's time to water the tree. That's where I'm at with all this now. So video evidence. I am by guns. Video evidence of the uh, ballot harvesting, cell phone data showing the location and placing these activists at the ballot box, a whistleblower who was one of these paid ballot stuff uh, harvesters uh, basically detailing how it all worked. Uh, through all of this, this group, True the Vote, did math on this based on what they could determine through these videos. They've come up with these numbers, 242 people, 242 different people engaged in this for a total of 5,662 ballot drops, each with an average of 23 ballots. That totals drew 130,000 ballots. Yeah, it's um, it's not even controversial to say that without these lawless acts and behaviors in terms of harvesting ballots, what happened, of course, uh, Providence alluded to, and, and, and Pennsylvania, of course. I mean, the results of Pennsylvania, this, this is absolutely, one, incontrovertible, <clears throat> but also not controversial. Those, those results should have been sh- thrown out to begin with because, uh, you know, of course, the ability to set, uh, you know, voting laws belongs strictly to the state legislature. And the Supreme Court overruled the legislator, legislature in Pennsylvania, of course, to change the voting laws. That was an unconstitutional act. It was literally a violation of the state constitution of Pennsylvania. And by that admission alone, Pennsylvania was rigged. But the issue that is so frustrating, of course, is it's wide open now. I mean, this Voting Rights Act legislation that the Democrat Party is hanging their hat on. The only thing that they have left uh, to try and win and, you know, fight off the Republicans taking back the House and the Senate, for example, in 2022 is this this legislation, which does what you said. It codifies all the unprecedented maneuvering that took place in 2020 in perpetuity. It's the federalization of election laws. And so that, to me, is a clear acknowledgement 
Basically, it's them admitting that they cheated in 2020 because they want to make that the law of the land going forward. They want to negate, of course, all of the states, the red states who are trying to fortify their voting systems by. And, you know, this is what's amazing. Swalwell and all these Democrats get out there talking about the Voting Rights Act, how important it is. But they don't talk about the details of what's in it. And what it does is, of course, it establishes at the heart of it a three judge panel that can overrule. The state legislatures who are changing their own election laws, for example, to require signature verification. So then they have to go to a three-judge panel. It's like their phony new Supreme Court that's going to do what? Say, oh, sorry, Texas, that's a violation. You can't do that. You actually have to allow uh, uh, harvesting of ballots. You have to allow uh, you know, drop-off centers. You have to do all these different things. And so anyway, we, we know it's in the open, but they're trying to gaslight us and make us fearful, like taking off this video, of course, because we're talking about having an honest discussion. But we, of course, care about the country and we want there to be certainty going forward so that we avoid the kind of conflict that we've seen throughout, well, since 2016. Uh, and the, the honest thing to have done, of course, if Democrats actually cared about this country, would to have had and engaged in a, a healthy, robust investigation of what took place so that we could feel uh, confident about the results. But of course, more and more people feel like shenanigans took place in 2020 and that they're illegitimate. And that's a result of the Democrats, not Republicans in anything we say. It's simply a fact that they did not investigate. They didn't do do any due diligence. That's why we're here. Yeah, they, uh, in, in addition to uh, calling everyone who brought these issues up part of the big lie, Providence, they actually worked very hard to silence anybody with any any questions. And if they had nothing to hide, if these Democrats fully believed that there was uh, these uh, these elections were fair and honest, it seems as though they would have been also saying, yes, go ahead, investigate it, put it all out in the open because you're going to find that you're wrong. But I didn't hear that from any of the Democrats, Providence. Well, it's important for us to understand, JV, that uh, we live in a system that is governed more by uh, political incentive than it is by the rule of law. And so when there's zero political incentive, when we don't have the sorts of uh, advocates for uh, for liberty uh, actually um, taking their place and doing their work, and that includes the media, that includes members of Congress, uh, state legislatures. You know, we repeatedly got pushed to uh, bottlenecks of points of failure. So we had specific court cases, we had specific legislatures, all the way down to uh, many who believe Trump should have taken uh, unilateral action to clean up this mess. Now, I'm not one of those people that believes that that was the solution. I think that we, the Republican Party and conservatives across this country, need to wake up to the fact of how serious this is. You know, conservatives have and uh, Republicans have a history of being the sorts of people that are the free enterprise people. We're the people that are out in the system benefiting from the free enterprise system. We're not the ones that are looking to, uh, you know, necessarily mix our lives up with politics, especially as how toxic it is. But the situation that we're in is that it's a, it's it's our choice to con continue the great experiment uh, of of the constitutional system that we have or to fall asleep and continue to allow this system to perpetuate. It just so happens that the people that were in the positions that we needed the most were not the right people. They were the people that caved. And when pressure comes down and uh, when pressure is sort of mounting, 
and you have these bottlenecks of failure, there's not enough people standing together for it to make any sense for someone to commit political suicide. Now, I have a, I have, I have relationships with people that are in government, and I can tell you from their perspective, the incentive was in the dirt for them to do anything about this. They had nothing but, but to lose from this, right? You know, they have their own political careers that they're interested in. If they uh, if they want a scandal the size of a Ted Cruz or a Josh Hawley or some of these other guys, then of course they can take that on. But not all of them are in districts where that's going to be popular. And so, especially when you have the liberal media that essentially was trying to position uh, these candidates that uh, were standing up for liberty and for voting uh, integrity, they're trying to set them up into a position to where they could uh, be removed from Congress or in prison. That's, that's what they would like. They would like these people to be completely silenced, banned off every platform. And so if you're a, a candidate in any district and you have a full career ahead of you, uh, you don't have a lot of incentive to just stick your neck out and potentially lose it, you know? And so we have, we have big concerns and big issues. Now, uh, just to cap this off, because I don't just want to throw, uh, you, you know, a negative message out there. I think Steve Bannon is one of the people that has probably the most coherent solution, and that is for us to reform the party starting at the local level. There are whole federal and state agencies that are tasked with monitoring these things, investigating these things, enforcing the, the laws that are on the books. Uh, it doesn't even take a senator going out on a limb or a congressman going out on a limb to say, you know, we have to investigate this. Really what it takes is these agencies, these bureaucrats who are supposed to be monitoring this, these things and enforcing the laws as they're written, it takes them to do their jobs. And that's that completely, that, that system completely collapsed in 2020. Britt, um, this, uh, this uh, whistleblower here uh, says that uh, almost all of the drops occurred between midnight and 5 a.m. Surprise. And he said it was an extensive ballot harvesting campaign. And again, it was for the November 2020 election and for the January 5th runoffs. And they were paid 10 bucks per ballot. And they had to take a selfie at the drop box in order to get paid. Wow. So making them uh, incriminate themselves so they won't say anything. Because now we got a selfie of you doing it. So shut your pie hole, boy. Or we'll we'll take you down with us. Um, I I want to I want to circle back uh, to um, what you just said about um, the system collapsing. Did it? Remember how much the system hated Trump? They were in on it. They did exactly what they needed to do. They got Trump out, squash everything, hide everything. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep on moving. Uh, we got what we wanted, and now we have the amazing Joe Biden who's going to take us into the promised land. Um, so I don't. I mean. I, I mean, you know me, JV. I'm really glasses half empty when it comes to our three-letter agencies and all that stuff, the the blob in D.C. But the more of this stuff that keeps coming out, the more I keep going, shit, Alex Jones was right again. You know, all the conspiracy today, give it a couple weeks, it becomes truth. That's where we're at. And the system basically gave the American people the middle finger and said, no, nah, you guys chose wrong. We're not letting you do that again. Oh, hell no. Um, and the only reason that Hillary Clinton didn't win is because Trump won by so much. They didn't have enough ballots to shove into the boxes. They weren't prepared. They weren't going to let that happen again. That's why we saw so much craziness happen. And that's why we're seeing the proof come out now. But like Drew said, here we are a year later. Nothing we can do about it. 
except live in this miserable fucking country we got right now. I think uh, I think uh, the the scenario you just described uh, kind of is what I meant by the system collapsing. It didn't it oh, didn't gotcha. okay. it didn't hold up to its job. It it took a political uh, uh, turn. Uh, it just it made its decisions based on politics and not based on law, and and that's exactly what happened. Uh, I want to change the subject yeah. though, because but there's a consequence to this too. We all know that tomorrow is the anniversary of the. Uh, unguided tour of the Capitol that the Democrats want to call an insurrection. Um, it couldn't be further from an insurrection, but tomorrow's the anniversary and the Democrats and this J six commission committee, whatever are working very, very hard to try to get this to uh, get some more traction. Even though the mainstream media is covering it as extensively as they can, it doesn't really seem to be grabbing the American people, but they want to use this. They want to use this, Drew, to disqualify many Republicans from running for re-election. They are looking to label any, and it's not just people who were on site. It's not people, just people who have, uh, maybe there's a text message or two floating around that would indicate that maybe they had something, some knowledge of it. I don't think there's anything that's incriminating saying anybody had anything to do with planning it. But they're basically looking for anyone who assisted Donald Trump's team in encouraging challenges to the election results in Congress to, to be fined as participating in the insurrection and to be disqualified from running for Congress or running for re-election if they're already in Congress. Yeah, I think it's stunning the era we live in with the availability of information, history at our fingertips with a quick Google search or anything else. And yet people seem to know less about history than they have ever before. That's why I keep saying we're really living in, in the dark ages uh, in America here. But, you know, people early on were quick to point out, and I was one of them as well, to call this event January 6th, the non-insurrection, uh, equated with the Reichstag fire in, in Germany. And I don't think that got enough attention, actually, because, the you know, it would get thrown out, but then it wasn't explained what actually took place. And, of course, you know, the Reichstag fire, that was the event that the Nazis used, right? So this Dutch guy... Uh, you know, allegedly set fire to the, the parliament building in, in, in Germany. And he was quickly arrested, apprehended, and he was an avowed communist sympathizer. And so the Nazis then, of course, used that event to persecute all of the communists in the parliamentarian system. Now, remember, you know, their system was different. Uh, you had multiple parties and they could not achieve a de facto majority, even though they were gaining power in the polls. And so they accused the communists, the Communist Party and those in politics of plotting future, quote unquote, insurrections, if you will. And under the guise of that event, uh, striking fear to the hearts, they seized the media. They turned it into a propagandist machine. They eliminated the free, robust press that actually had existed at that time. And then they actually jailed their political opponents. It was a witch hunt as well. And more and more, this looks like a very similar effort by the Democratic Party. Uh, we understand you have Ray Epps out there, who is the most significant person of interest, I would think, in, in, in staging even this, you know, what they call an insurrection, because he's the guy on the ground who was going around encouraging people as the primary planner of this event, telling them, hey, we got a plan. We got to get over to the Capitol. We're going to go inside the Capitol building. And yet somehow this one guy is not rotting in a cell like the rest of the people who were just enjoying a, a casual stroll around the Capitol after they were let in the building 
uh, by Capitol Police officers. Ray Epps has not been, nothing's been done. He's not in solitary confinement. Is that not interesting? Is it not also interesting that the pipe bombers, the people who could have actually uh, uh, caused the greatest amount of damage and death and destruction, they cannot be found anywhere? Uh, is this not bizarre to anyone? It's the same case with the Reichstag, Reichstag fire. How interesting, you know, that this one communist sympathizer, but even, even if it was the communist sympathizer, even if he did set fire, even if there were a bunch of boneheaded people, you know, that, that went in there and planned to go walk around, I mean, without guns or anything else, this is the crappiest insurrection I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was the biggest failure ever, uh, really pathetic effort. But nonetheless, it's not representative of, of, MAGA, it's not representative of Trump. And of course, the allegation is totally outrageous because even if everyone sits here and condemns the dumb behavior of a handful of people, their allegation is that Trump incited the insurrection, right? We know that's not true. It's not true based on the time, based on the speech, based on anything. There's no evidence for it. It's simply Trump-Russia collusion 2.0. But the Democrats, I mean, they already, they already impeached him over this and he was found not guilty. And it wasn't good enough. So now they have their phony January 6th committee trying to rewrite history, trying to go after these people. And of course, it's about Trump ultimately and preventing him from ever running for office again. But it's also about scaring all of us talking here today about speaking out, about sending a chilling message to the American people who are political opponents, who are dissidents to say, hey, look what we can do to you. Yeah, and Matt Couch came on the program last night, Britt, you remember, and he pointed out that the, the, the quote, what they're calling an insurrection was actually counterproductive to what Trump was actually trying to accomplish that day. He had senators and congressmen that were going to object to the certification, and that was his best hope of trying to get this stalled so there could be some investigation into the voting uh, fraud allegations. And this, this, this event that the Democrats call an insurrection actually thwarted that effort it actually stopped that from happening so it, it was counter to what donald trump was hoping for uh providence they're going as far as saying um that anybody who actually signed a legal brief that support election challenges in the courts should be considered an insurrectionist and again disqualified from office uh, yeah, JV, we had an insurrection. It happened on election day. Uh, we all know it. We all know who was involved. Uh, what happened on the Capitol was a, uh, a situation to where uh, a lack of security made an, a situation unnecessarily dangerous. Even if you discount the clear indications that there were some bad actors that were involved, uh, I don't care if all of the 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 Catholic nuns that uh, feed the uh, the orphans in the orphanage are marching uh, 250 to 500,000 strong in D.C. You do not have a thin security during a congressional session during a particularly uh, a polarizing time in our nation. And uh, I just want to shout out Mike Pence, who congratulated Capitol Police for the murder of one of his own supporters. Uh, I hope Mike Pence never steps foot in any sort of political office ever again. But um, but just to uh, piggyback off of what Drew Thomas Allen said, I mean, this guy, by the way, guys, this is the bold new face of millennial conservatism. This guy, he, I feel totally outclassed. <laughs> he's he's really good. I'm looking forward to his line of uh, underwear and yoga mats. I think it's going to be uh, really helpful for our movement. <laughs> I just had to get something there, but no, but no, um, th this whole idea of insurrectionist, it's, it's total, it's a total farce. We shouldn't take it seriously. We shouldn't 
uh, we shouldn't do the controlled opposition stance stance of uh, of giving any room for this sort of discussion to be taken anything as totally crazy. One of the things that frustrates me about the controlled opposition that we see in the political conservative movement at this time is the fact that we spend so much time uh, giving credence to these ridiculous allegations that they put out there by talking about it constantly and doing nothing. And, you know, when I say doing nothing, I'm not saying take some sort of crazy action. I'm saying that we as a conservative movement should be working within our society to build and better our communities and to build and better our political platform. The scourge of January 6th, the scourge of the election uh, is something that we deserve because we fell asleep at how bad our system was. Now is the time for a generation that sees that it's not just a good idea to take up these causes, but it's really our destiny or our, our right as, as, as citizens. This is our time to step up and to do what's right and to fix the mess because there's a generation coming behind us that they're setting up for an even more catastrophic failure. And we have to take really serious the time uh, in history that we're alive to actually uh, do something to affect change and to do something that's good. And everybody out there that feels like you're you're just a nobody or whatever, we've got to learn how to network and how to work together because there are some outrageously talented people out there that could be doing some tremendous good for our nation uh, if we can come together and and uh, and do this. But but to your point, uh, I give no room for this insurrectionist talk. I it, it's absolutely what they would call blue anon. It's conspiracy total propaganda nonsense. Uh, yeah. And Providence, just to pick up on something you said there, I too will be in one of the first in line to buy the Drew Thomas Allen yoga mats and underwear line <laughs> when it is released because he is that good. But I will also say Providence, you're carrying, your, you're carrying your weight perfectly well too. So we're, and we're happy to have you both on the show. Uh, Britt, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, Elias, Mark Elias, the attorney who who was responsible basically for the Russia hoax, is behind most of these efforts as well. And it should be pointed out that it was Mark Elias that filed lawsuits and legal challenges to Trump's victory in 2016. So he did the exact same thing he's accusing the Republicans of doing in 2020. Comment on that and then take it where you want to go. It's politics as usual. I mean, this is just politics. This is what we do. This is it's just it's a super it was. With Trump, it was on steroids because he was such a threat to the system. The uniparty, as I like to call it, the establishment Republicans, establishment Democrats, and the leftists. And then all of the, uh, well, how many how many federal employees are there in D.C.? Millions, millions and millions. They were all threatened by him. So they all came together. And then, of course, media jumped on it because it was big money. Um, and it affected them because they're all in bed together. And so it was on steroids, and they really went after him, and we got to see it. Now we just got to figure out a way to stop it in the future because it now makes me wonder, I mean, did we really pick anybody? Did we? Because, I mean, how many people don't say anything or uh, how many people that could run for office are like, oh, I don't want to go on that bus, so hell with that. So the only people we get are the people who have lived a life that is not based in reality. I mean, if you can get through with, with, with no traffic tickets and no drunken incidents and no inappropriate photo showing up somewhere and no you know, a pissed off ex-girlfriend who's really willing to slander you. What kind of life did you live? A goody tissues life? And then we're going to put you, we're going to put you in charge of our country and then have to deal with murderers and, and thugs like Putin or Xi or, you know, Saddam Hussein or how far back you want to go or Castro. I mean, so we, it's just insane that we don't, 
I almost like the British system better because they don't care what their people do for the most part. And they just vote for them. So anyway, uh, and if I crap out, I think I figured out my problems. I just can't figure out how to stop it. Uh, my antivirus keeps engaging. I just set it up again last week. And now it's like, it's like now I got this problem. So I got to figure out how to turn off McAfee. Anyway, so moving your, on. Your so first gonna, mistake uh, is installing McAfee. That's your first mistake. Oh, is it really? Is that a bad one? I had no idea. I thought it was. Yes, a, it's a very it bad. had great reviews. Yeah, they're All they're right. self-reviewed. Well, I, I think <laughs> it's not good. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, I need to undo that at some point. Anyway, so uh, since we're trashing people and we're talking about corruption and politics, um, it looks like JV. Well, I'm going to go to Rob on this, and then I'll circle back. I'll come all the way to you, JV, with this. Uh, Rob, it looks like um, Andrew Cuomo's going to get away with it. The groping charges against him are getting dropped. There's now breaking news that the Manhattan DA is going to drop the investigation of the nursing home. Is this more of the elites protecting the elites and he just gets away with it? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, so uh, clear um, for quite some time that uh, there are two classes of people in this country. There are the people that uh, are under the, uh, you know, the uh, they're the targets of uh censorship and gaslighting and uh slander and you name it and if if you're not in this elite class they will ruin your life if you were to be a uh someone on the other political side of the aisle and you were to do this uh they would shut down the whole country and make sure that your entire party's thrown in jail um that's just that's just the world that we live in and uh Cuomo is uh a horrendously crooked individual with uh y you know um <laughs> let's just say uh not 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 a good guy and uh that's what all these people have been doing um that's all i got <laughs> uh, cool. I, i'm trying not to go down the rabbit hole like elwood where she would say that he you, you know uh was responsible for the nursing home deaths and and all those things uh she was. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a yeah, absolutely was. guy. But she's she's more qualified to talk about that than me. Well, but but we want but you're a regular dude living a life and dealing with this mess, and that's what our show is about. Regular people. And what you said good was point. amazing. It's a good point. Drew. Yeah. Drew. Does for the victims of the Cuomo groping and the uh twelve thousand people that he murdered, those families. Can they come after Cuomo personally? Will they be? Can they sue him directly, like personally? Because now that he's not governor, he doesn't have the protection of the state to pay for his lawyers and pay out the fine, right? Well, there's a lot more credibility to that type of litigation happening than what they're, of course, trying to do with the January 6th insurrection, bringing charges against Donald Trump. Um, but look, w we know that he is responsible for those those deaths, you know, and. And look, we try and take the higher ground as often as we can, and we don't try and make these these claims. You know, they've got blood on their hands, but but you know what, he he does because you know he he allowed and permitted and actually gave the order to bring in COVID positive patients to nursing homes throughout the state of New York. Those who were most at risk, that we always knew were most at risk, that needed to be protected the most, he sentenced them to death with a virus that was overwhelmingly going to impact them. And if we, if we pull back and look with a bird's eye view at everything that took place, 
the Democrats do have a lot of blood on their hands in this instance. And, you know, we're fighting new warfare with these people, and I'm going to use Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals against these people. They're gonna, I'm going to force them to play by their rules, and I'm going to ridicule them into oblivion. Um, that's what's called for to save the country. But look, you know, they, 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 they forbid and prevented people from taking hydroxychloroquine and zinc, which we know increased survivability by 200%. They mocked and ridiculed Donald Trump when he came out in support of it. They removed the videos of those frontline doctors who were espousing the benefits of hydroxychloroquine, which was cheap, which had been around for decades, which we knew was safe. And they, they I mean, how many lives could have been saved if we had focused on treatment? I mean, now they're trying to prevent people from taking monoclonal antibody treatments. I mean, anything that works that's not the vaccine, uh, these Democrats and these bureaucrats and some Republicans, of course, indeed, as well, are in, in are just doing everything they can to promote only a vaccine. That's the only solution. Even I mean, even now, you know, obviously now we have the vaccine. But before that, you know, you couldn't have even leaned on that as, as pressuring people to take. And so I. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think we can condemn them um, in severe enough terms for what they've done in handling this and what they've done to prevent people from getting treatments that could have saved their lives. Uh, I don't think I don't think we can ever talk about that enough because it's a great tragedy uh, and it's 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 frankly, it's evil what happened to people. Well, and what I, I saw a, a thing today that the administration just doubled the order of some new pill that you take, a therapeutic that you take, that's like ivermectin that Pfizer has just invented. Um, so, you know, that's what they were waiting for. So now they're going to tout that at, you know, $700 a dose as opposed to 58 cents. JV, so I thought Cuomo was dead in the water and was not going to survive this. But now that I see this legalese stuff getting swept under the rug, does he come back at some point? Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, but at some point, does he, does he resurface? It wouldn't surprise me if he does, but let me let me back up a little bit because I want to pick up on something yeah. that Drew uh, mentioned here, which is so important. Talking about how these Democrats and the social media and tech giants that f stepped right in line, actually probably led the charge and the Democrats stepped in behind them and the, the mainstream media that was all about this stuff, denying science effectively and going to the lengths of thwarting any discussion about alternative treatments i mean you can go online and you can read about some exotic herb out of brazil that if you take it and you inject you put it in your body it's going to cure all manner of things i mean i've had people on my other show that claim things like that nobody shuts that down but when people say hydroxychloroquine might help you as a therapeutic for COVID, they were shutting those conversations down. When people said ivermectin will help you and it's cheap, they're shutting those conversations down. Why? Purely for politics. That's what makes this so egregious. And that's what makes what uh, Andrew Cuomo did so egregious. He didn't send those people back to nursing homes because he didn't have another option. He had other options. There was a floating hospital ship that Donald Trump sent him in the New York Harbor that went virtually empty. The Javits Center was converted into a temporary hospital with, I don't remember how many beds, but a lot of beds, which sat basically empty. And instead of using those resources because they were sent to him by Donald Trump, he sent those patients back into nursing homes to infect the healthy residents and kill them. 
So this goes beyond just a bad decision. This is politically motivated. It killed people, not just the 12 or 14,000 elderly folks that died in New York, but hundreds of thousands of people around the country that weren't able to fill a prescription for hydroxychloroquine because the governor of whatever state, I think it was Arizona, what one of those. Nevada. Uh, what was it? Nevada. The governor of Nevada, Nevada said pharmacists couldn't fill prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine uh, outside of the whatever use they said that it could be done for. I think for lupus you could do it, but you couldn't do it for COVID. So there are hundreds of thousands of deaths that these Democrats uh, need to bear the responsibility for. And it was done purely for political reasons. They didn't give a shit. They wanted to win the presidency and they would stop at nothing to do it. So if you think cheating at the ballot box is is beyond something these people would do, they're willing to kill people. They're willing to let people die so that they could win the White House and the Congress. So put that in perspective. I do want to say one more thing about uh, Andrew Cuomo and whether or not he should or will or whatever be prosecuted. Because the bottom line is I think most of us suspected or expected that he would not have to pay a price for what he did the, the nursing home thing aside for the uh, sexual misconduct allegations that were levied against him by how many? 10, 11 women, maybe more. Um, you know, when you put that into the perspective of the crimes that Hillary Clinton committed, that James Comey, that James Clapper, that Obama, that, o- that Biden himself is responsible for. Hunter Biden uh, revealed most of those crimes to us. And nobody is even discussing a possible uh prosecution of any of these people so yeah yeah uh andrew cuomo getting away with touching a a staffer's ass i could see that happening pretty easily basically this is in philadelphia the public health department philadelphia health department's official blue check mark it's official site i actually went and found news articles on this basically people are setting up in the center city they set up a bunch of fake a bunch of pop-up covid testing free covid testing people lined up for miles got, got tested blah 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 uh the people at the place said they were paid by fema fema saying no they weren't paid they, they didn't pay for this. They, FEMA has nothing to do with this. So the city is asking for, if you see these pop-up tents, to notify the health department so they can send someone out to make sure it's a real deal. Rob, our, uh, Providence, why the hell would someone want set up a thing and, and, and swap people's nose for free? I don't understand this. Uh, I imagine that there is a big, um, especially since we're in the era of, um, of uh, what's experimental uh, DNA, RNA technology is the future of all medicine. Um, pretty soon, uh, they would like pretty much all of our ailments to be treated in this manner. Uh, this is the next uh, generation of, you know, sort of biohacking. And we've already set the precedent with this pandemic for it to be a legal recourse to force people to undergo these sorts of treatments. And it would not be difficult to manufacture reasons for this. So I imagine that uh, human DNA harvesting would be incredibly lucrative. I believe that there's already been reports of testing agencies and labs reselling the, uh, the samples that they've collected to third parties. So this is a, uh, a sort of a, a black hole into this uh, big pharma corruption that we were mostly unaware of how devastatingly this would how devastatingly catastrophic this would be on a global scale to have uh, essentially uh, pharmaceutical oligopolies groups uh, siloed groups 
of extremely powerful pharmaceutical companies in collusion with these kleptocratic systems of socialized healthcare worldwide. And if you thought we, that we weren't under socialized medicine, uh, it's never been more clear now uh, because during the Obama administration, when the Obamacare was first coming out, the big concern was these death panels and all these things. And this idea that you would get separated from somebody that is interested in uh, uh, treating, uh, treating you medically in your best interest. We've gone so far away from that, that the medical community has collapsed to the point that if you have any other disease, any other ailment, consider this, if, you, if, if, if you're just at your house hanging out and you collapse for any reason and you go to the emergency room or the hospital and they don't know what's wrong uh, and, and, and they're going through their diagnostic steps, but you have symptoms that they know how to reduce the severity of these symptoms because it's extremely important. If you have any other condition, you, well, you would have to test negative at the hospital first or else you become a statistic and you fall into a protocol. But let's say you test negative. There are hundreds and thousands of medications and treatments and therapeutics out there that would be used based on the doctor's best understanding of what you specifically need. With COVID, they are given a, uh, a ABC bullet point list that they must follow. And if they don't follow this, they're at risk of losing their jobs, potentially even losing their license. And the sad thing is, and we're going to bring this back into like a maybe a bigger picture thing with the Republican Party, is that who would be responsible at this time to make sure that the American people, particularly with the, in, in the political space, would understand exactly what's going on, understand what the most viable solutions are, and have the policy platform for the politicians so they don't sound like total effing morons when they go out there and talk about this. It would be our think tanks. They are funded to the tunes of tens or hundreds of millions if you add them all up. And they have gone completely dark on this, which has left conservatives, sadly, in a state of sort of paranoia, conspiracy sort of thing. Then you have, you know, the all natural buffs. You have all these groups of people and nobody makes any sense because these think tanks that are supposed to be educating us and giving us and our politicians a clear policy platform on how to handle this pandemic have, have disappeared. And so it's, it's, it's critical. Uh, that, so I'm someone who's been an amateur COVID researcher since the beginning of the pandemic. I wanted to understand its impacts on me and my personal business. And I put hundreds of hours into understanding this. And when I listen to half the commentators and pundits and people, nobody has a clue what's going on. And sadly, uh, very few people have stepped up. You have Malone uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast. You have uh, Peter McCullough. You have some people that 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 will definitely point you in the right direction. But by and large, uh, we have to grapple with the fact that we still have a lot to learn about this pandemic. So basically, our politicians are uh, uh, keeping us scared, so we keep voting for them, so we still need them, so they can keep making their grift. And Big Pharma keeps getting richer. Drew. Drew, Drew, Drew. Uh, uh, Providence touched on something that the think tank, he's right. Now I'm thinking about it. I can't think of any papers coming out of the more right of center think tanks about the pandemic, how to handle the pandemic, what's going, you know, it's like they've, they're all like hands off. So we don't have that, that, that deep brain trust to draw on. Um, and then if these are fake, can this be happening elsewhere too? I, uh, I'm glad Providence brought up this idea of the think tanks and getting the message out there because uh, this isn't like a, a pitch for my show, but you know, one of the reasons I even 
you know, one of the reasons I write articles, but more importantly, the reason I started the podcast and the reason we're doing what we're doing here, I think, is to get that messaging out there. But what is uh, really infuriating to me is that here we are, uh, not in politics, not professionally in the sense that we are in office, right? We're just citizens of this country who are concerned, who want to deal with these issues, who want to protect and save this nation because it's our duty, it's our responsibility. But we're doing this at this level, but we have a huge vacancy in terms of leadership in the Republican Party. And without Trump right now, of course, being that loud vocal voice, sometimes not as eloquent perhaps as we would have liked, but without him, no one's filled that void. Um, Kevin McCarthy has proven himself to be the loser that we always knew he was. Just like the, the, the likes of John Boehner before him, just like Mitch Connell, time and time again. And this is what people have to understand historically. This always happens in the Republican Party. When we had Ronald Reagan, who was a fierce conservative, who was wildly popular, wildly popular. Well, when he was in office, even the rhinos in the party were, were consulting and talking about how, how they couldn't wait to move beyond Reaganism, to get back to this moderate republicanism that is a losing philosophy. And then we had Trump, who was not Reagan, but he shocked us all, I think, in how conservative he was. And he grew the Republican Party, grew the base, wildly popular. And the same things happen again. You have the George Bush types out there that want to take back the Republican Party from we the people because conservatism, this is the other thing I try to explain. Conservatism is cool. There is nothing more, more excited. There is not, there's nothing to be more excited about than conservatism. I mean, I mean, it's amazing. The idea of the founding father's philosophy, the idea of, of independence and self-reliance uh, uh, of this strength that we have as a people to stand up against authoritarians. And we don't have Republicans out there getting that message out there, conveying to people that it's actually stupid. It's illogical. It's, it's, it's idiotic to be a Democrat. I mean, you couldn't, and, and this is the thing. I mean, there are so many reasons I can never be a Democrat, but we're staring at them time and time again. I mean, they don't ask questions. They have no curiosity, uh, whether it's man-made climate change. They can't ask simple questions that prove it stupid. Uh, they don't question the same authoritarians that they look to for their news, for their information that have lied to them for decades. I mean, from 2016, just looking at CNN and these places, I mean, they're still looking to the same people who lied to their faces countless times, 365 days a year, and they still go to these people for news. The, the, the Democrat Party's a cult, and, and, and their followers are cultists. It's no different than the Branch Davidians. It's no different than anything. I mean, these people don't even abide by the same rules and regulations they demand us underlings do. And that should infuriate anyone who's following these people. I mean, if your dad is sitting here telling you, hey, son, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to crack the whip on you because you cheated on your girlfriend and you catch him sleeping with, 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 with some woman uh, who's not your mother, uh, and then you, you have more respect for your father all of a sudden. I mean, that, that's, that's the mentality of these morons that we're dealing with in our country. And I'm sorry to have to use lowbrow terminology, but maybe there's some Democrats listening and they'll understand. <laughs> Um, how, how hot is the girlfriend? <laughs> she looks like you, Britt. Then I would beat the hell out of my dad. Anyway, um, okay. Oh, Jesus. Really, JV? Really? <laughs> really? 
Get your Brit Griffith nipple tassels. <laughs> hey, I, I like touching my nipples. All right, chill. Um, all right. So J I think the wow, Republicans way off topic. Uh, JV, anything you want to comment on this and go where you want with it? Oh, there's a lot I want to comment about. Uh, first of all, both Providence and Drew, excellent points. And I, But I want to pick up on something specifically that was discussed. I think Providence was talking about the death panel uh, idea that was brought up during the Obamacare debates. It was also brought up during the Hillary care debates. And, and you know, one of the things that we failed to recognize. Now, I always say you don't want the government involved in any of these things. You don't want to give them that power. It, Good people can be in government and bad people can be in government. You never know what you're going to get. But if they have that power, it's going to work against you either way. The bottom line here is when it comes to these death panels, we all thought at the time that these death panels would be things like, oh, you know, granny is 88 years old. You know, she really doesn't have that long to live anyway. So she doesn't need those cancer treatments that cost $300,000 a month. Uh, so let's just send her home and go home and hold her hand and watch her expire. That's what we thought it was this, those death panels would be about. It's turned out that's not what they're about anymore. These death panels are now about whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. And they're also about what skin color you are, as indicated in the story that we had on the other night, Britt, where New York City is only giving out medications or they're, they're telling people in, in determining whether someone will get a medication what their ethnicity is. And if they're an underserved or, or an oppressed minority community, they get preference for medicines because they've been uh, because of an equity issue. That's what the real death panel uh, panels are going to be about. We're watching them yep. uh, unfold in front of us. People should be demanding that Obamacare is repealed immediately and government gets out of health care completely, completely. Yeah, uh, because not totally. only did they make it unaffordable for most people. The government government being involved did that. But now they're rationing medications. We don't have the supplies we need. And they're determining who's going to live and who's not going to live based on, you know, what group they want to favor that day. This is a real issue. And this goes far beyond just COVID. This is goes this this is this is just the, the camel's nose is under the tent with this thing. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah, three great rants in a row. Also, JV, just to throw in, I just heard today, I was talking to my nurse friend that we both know, uh, up in Pennsylvania, they're doing a lottery system for uh, the monoclonal antibodies because they don't have enough. So instead of finding out who's in the best spot to, to receive the medicine for the best outcome or who's the sickest that needs it, it's literally a lottery system. If there's five people in there and they have two doses, they literally pick names. It doesn't matter. So why well, that that's insanity to me. Anyway. I yield back my time to you. All right, let's talk a little bit of what's going on in education. This is a, a subject that comes up a lot on the program with good reason. It's probably the most important topic we can be talking about, and it's one that conservatives have ignored for a long time. By the way, I want to go back just quickly, touch on something. Uh, Drew, you had said that you know we were all surprised at how, how conservative Trump actually ended up being, uh, and, I, and it did surprise us. But I would call, I think Trump... I think actually Trump could start a new political party uh, called the Permagnocrats. Uh, he was a pragmatist. He was pragmatic. And it just so happens a lot of people that are pragmatic line up with conservative ideas because many conservative ideas are pragmatic. But he was, above anything, pragmatic. And that's what made him so effective. And that's what made him get shit done that most politicians couldn't get done. So maybe that should be the move. 
the pragmat the pragmacrats. I don't know. Let's we'll come up with a catchy name for it. But that could be the party. Um, anyway, teachers, uh, we, we've ignored education for far too long. Conservatives are starting to wake up. They're starting to take back school boards. They're starting to, uh, as parents, visit these school board meetings and express their concerns, even under the threat of the attorney general arresting them and throwing them into some dungeon somewhere for being a, a, an insurrectionist or a domestic terrorist. But uh, the, the teachers unions are swinging at us again uh, all across the country. They're voting and demanding shutdowns to schools again in fact the chicago's teachers union just voted and 73 percent of the members voted in favor of not returning to school until all of their demands are met the demands go far beyond just covid related demands drew is it time for someone and i don't think we've got that someone in office anywhere that makes a difference at this point but is it time for someone to pull a ronald reagan fire them all like he did with the air traffic controllers and replace them and and move on from this bullshit that these teacher unions are putting us through. Well, I I'd say yeah, I mean yes, we're well beyond that point. We should have done that long ago if somebody had cojones and actually cared. Uh you know what we're dealing with is a bunch of people who are of course have tyrannical hearts. Uh these people are bullies and they are the protected class, right? And the only thing these people understand is repercussions, and they never face repercussions. They don't believe that the, the Republicans or, or, or their opposition actually has the guts to do anything to them. And that's what must be done. That's why I bring up the analogy. And of course, no, I'm not calling for violence, and I shouldn't have to say that. But you know, if you're in, if you're in the schoolyard and some bully's hurling a rock at you every day at two o'clock when you're out there on the playground, guess what's gonna make him stop? throwing a rock and hitting him back. And he finally wakes up and thinks for a second, wait a minute, these, these guys are actually willing to bring the fight to me. And that's what has to be done here. We cannot, we cannot do this anymore. We cannot indulge these little children is what they are. We're being ruled by little idiotic children that are prone to tantrums uh, uh, that, that are not adults at all. And so they have to be treated as such. And there have to be repercussions. I mean, Ronald Reagan, that was an amazing thing he did. And guess what? It worked. It got, it got things, it got them to realize, hey, this guy means business and we're not going to get away with this anymore. And that, that's the broader discussion I think we've had on here numerous times now, JV, just about this idea that, you know, let's say, you know, 2022 and going forward, you know, we want revenge. Not revenge for the simple sake of, of pettiness, but because there have to be repercussions going forward so that this nation changes, so that these people stop doing this. And, and you know, you talking about the, the death panel set up and everything you guys have said, it just astounds me what cowards we have uh, in society today because we're so soft. If you look at what the founding fathers went to war with King George III over and read those grievances, what we're experiencing today, I rail on this because it's true. The level of tyranny we are experiencing in America today is far beyond that experienced by the colonists of 1776. And, you know, they were pissed off about taxes, for example, taxation without representation. Oh, my God. I mean, we're well beyond that, of course, too. But we have all these other things and nobody seems to get upset. No, they, people actually want to, like, make up new grievances and hand that over to the Democrats and say, please do this to me next. It's Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> we love our captors. Beat me, please. You know, Ronald Reagan said a lot of 
brilliant things. He was an amazing orator. He he could he could deliver a message, make it funny, but and certainly make it stick. But one of the things he said, and Britt and I use it in the opening of our Tuesday and Thursday show, he talks about uh, liberty and freedom is not something we pass on to future generations in our bloodstream. It has to be taught. You have to teach the next generation how to be a, a, an American citizen and how to appreciate the freedoms that we have. Because if we don't do that, we'll lose them. We are watching that unfold. Uh, Providence, going back to this teacher union issue, particularly in Chicago, the Chicago Teachers Union has said that testing, contact tracing, and vaccine or vaccination efforts by Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, um, have been an abject failure. Our mayor is failing our students. We want a plan uh, that looks like and that sounds like safety. I agree that Lori Lightfoot is a failure, but not at this. 90% of those teachers and the staffs, staffs in those schools are, are vaccinated. This is not a lack of vaccination problem. This is teachers, in my estimation, a teacher's union that doesn't want to go to work. That's what I see it as. Yeah, absolutely. And these radical policies uh, only hurt children. They uh, serve nobody. Um, this is the teachers and the teachers' unions uh, putting their own uh, needs and uh, desires ahead of those of, of the students. I don't know uh, about you guys, but I do know parents personally that have had to struggle through this pandemic and have had children that have been held back that otherwise wouldn't be. Um, I've heard uh, reports of children that have been uh, plagued with panic attacks and uh, all sorts of uh, different wow. um, you had people walking behind you there, so, Providence. Sorry, sorry, that was momvidence. Uh, she, oh, was that your? She uh, was didn't that your producer? To do that while I was being featured. Yeah, that's uh, that's my mom. Uh, she's absolutely an incredible person. But anyways, so uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to uh, if you, if you're on Twitter, uh, you can follow at awake I, uh, uh, underscore il. Um, there is a uh, nonprofit organization in Illinois that has been fiercely going uh, against these mandates, have been going to the school boards, have been uh, getting mothers together uh, of children that are going to speak up for their children. And I will say that uh, there are there have been quite a few messages I've seen come out of this group of uh, quite a bit of discouragement that this may be uh, this they may not be able to ultimately win in the end, at least in the short term, uh, for their objectives. But uh, it's important for us to gather around these people and give them all of our support because they're actually the ones that are on the front lines. You know, we just sit here and give our uh, our opinions on 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 a broadcast, and and I know we we're all trying to do the best that we can, but we really do have to recognize these people that are on the front lines. Many of them are just in small groups, 10, 20, 30 moms that are actually trying to not only uh, come up against these mandates and speak out against them, but they're actually trying to connect with people that are extremely educated to give them the tools they need to succeed uh, in these school board meetings. So that's a real critical thing. Once again, uh, on Twitter at awake underscore IL is a great group. You got to follow them, give them your support. They're on the front lines there in Chicago. And uh, we're really hoping that we can see something move. I know there's small victories that we have to uh, celebrate, but ultimately, I think that uh, you know midterms and some of these other local elections are going to be the big kicker uh, to turn these things around. Britt, uh, there's a quote here from one of the members of the Chicago Teachers Union. It says, uh, "We fight for your children like they are our own. 
because when we teach, they are. I don't like the idea that these teachers think that the, our children are theirs. I don't care if it's for two hours a day. I don't care if it's for six hours. It shouldn't be for five minutes. They are not their children. That's a problem in right. itself. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I'm going I'm to uh, channel Bob, uh, Jim Bob 71 on the Foxhole chat. Uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, we like having your children in our indoctrination camps because when we have them, we subvert everything that you teach them. Yep. They are good little people of the state, not the parents. Um, so for for so since we're talking about Chicago, I had this story and I'm gonna bring it up now. So Chicago Public Schools proposed spending per student in 2019 was twenty thousand four hundred and ten dollars per pupil. In twenty twenty two, it's twenty seven thousand two hundred and seventy six dollars per student for a year. And they have what, roughly three million students in the Chicago school district. So JV, what doing the math, what is that? Three million times twenty twenty seven thousand. I, that's like a lot, it's, right? It's a in the high high billions, probably close to 100 billion. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I don't know, quick math. And and they don't want to go to work. So and then so so I I I, uh, I uh, this uh, Corey DeAngelis is a as a as a homeschool promoter. Anyway, so private school, the average tuition cost is eleven thousand dollars for private for uh for home um for private school versus twenty seven thousand. Take the time to look up, people. Seriously, take the time to look up at the graduation rate of an average public school in Chicago, and then look at the uh, at the the average graduation rate of private schools uh, in the Chicago, Illinois area. And it's a, it's insane. So for well, uh, for almost a little over half the money, you get a far better product in the private schools. So uh, there's also the article um, that I read today that uh, the governor of Arizona, Busey, I think his name is Governor Busey or Ducey. Um, they, they just submitted a bill and I think he's doing under executive order that if the schools stay closed for even one day, the parents get a voucher, they can take their kids to any, any school that they want. So that's what Republicans need to do. They need to, you governors, you Republican governors, you need to follow that, that, that lead. Ducey for uh, as weak as he was on all the 2020 stuff, this he's being spot on. He's blazing a trail. Get on that trail and follow it with him. If the teachers union shut down a school, Fine. You don't get paid. No more money to the school district. Parents get to go off and take them where they want. And I think that should be done anyways, period, and create that competition. So, but it looks like some of the governors are starting to push back a little bit, and I think that's great. But uh, the fact, $27,000 a student, I I'm floored at the amount of money that they get to produce such a crappy product. It's insane to me. And the, it should all be shut down. The public education system is grossly over. Uh, overfunded and extremely expensive, and we get horrible results from it. Drew, I would like to suggest that if the teachers really honestly, or the unions really honestly believe that their members are at risk uh, by being in the classroom, that if they decide to stay home, a couple of things will happen. One is, I don't know, put them at half pay if they want to teach remotely. Secondly, they're not allowed to go to Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or McDonald's or the mall or the grocery store or any of those other places where they might come in contact with somebody who might have COVID because clearly that's the fear they have. So we start if you put it in the, that perspective, maybe it's something I can live with. Yeah, that's a great point to point out the utter hypocrisy. And that's something we've all noticed, I think, even when whether it's Republican or Democrat, and it really was bipartisan in terms of people who really bought into the, the, the fearing for their lives for the last two years because of COVID. 
Um, they all found convenient things for them where they would violate their own, you know, code of ethics in terms of how they dealt with, with COVID as well. You know, when it was convenient for them, suddenly everything was out the window because, you know, their desire to do something overrode, you know, their fear in certain situations. But yeah, the public school system in this country has long been broken and obviously it's just full of waste and fraud. But I think too, these teachers, you know, I think there's a, there's a, these aren't a lot, look, of course there are good teachers out there, but, but these unions, they're not good people. They're tyrants too. And part of it, I think is, you know, it's just about, we can do this. It's about, look at us. It's about, you know, we're going to shut the schools down because we can, because maybe you're not listening to us. You're not giving us what we want. I mean, it's just, it's just threats. And, you know, while the, while the Democrats have been successful in ridding police forces, firefighters, and first responders throughout this country of the good cops and the good guys, uh, we need to rid these these uh, public school systems and bureaucracies of all these bad people as well. That's really, really what we need to do. And, it, and it's widespread. And that's, that's, I think, people get a little bit frustrating, frustrated and a little bit overwhelmed because, unfortunately, generations of Americans have kind of sat on their hands for so long and allowed it to get to this point because we actually were the party of, you know, live and let live, even at our own detriment. And we were silent. But I think, you know, here in Providence, talking about the, the, the think tanks and things, you know, people are starting to speak out. They're starting to do things. And we do have to so support our people. We do have to take every opportunity to, to encourage other people to join the fight because we all have our own unique capabilities and skill sets. And we all have to lend those to our country right now. And, you know, a lot of times I feel like we, we have, we get on here and we say, look, we, we don't, we're not trying to be negative. I, I don't, you know, I've had a new, a new philosophy that I'm trying to, to maintain and make it a habit now. And that's to look at what's happening today as the most exciting time to be alive in modern American history. Because, you know, we are a unique people. Uh, the American people are a great people, and that's why we have the greatest country in the history of the world. And so I'm trying not to look at this as just, I'm going to get mad. I mean, and I, I am mad about things, obviously, but but anger isn't, isn't, a, isn't an emotion that really goes anywhere in terms of solving things. And so it's fine to be angry, but I'm trying to channel that and encourage other people to channel that into something productive. I'm excited about this fight. You know, this is great. I feel like I'm doing what I was born to do, something that Americans are called to do time and time again, just like you mentioned Ronald Reagan. You know, my generation, I'm 34, turning 35 next month. I'm not going to sit here and watch this country burn. I'm not going to let it happen, not on my watch. And so I'm trying to get have as much fun as I can about this, you know, because this is what we're called to do. Let's step up and let's do it. You know, when the history books are written, I want to be telling stories to my kids about how awesome we all were uh, doing what was necessary and uh, uh, so that they could inherit, you know, the greatest nation in the history of the world. That, that, it's duty and responsibility, you know, just like anything else. Feeding your family, we got to fight for the country. Providence, give me some of the political uh, ramifications of this feud that's developing between the teachers' unions and many of these Democrat mayors and leaders. I mean, this could ultimately end up in the lap of Joe Biden, and he's going to have to do something about this. Uh, does this does this uh, schism between the unions and the Democrats, does it, does it have implications in the coming elections? Maybe they don't offer the money that they usually offer for Democrat candidates. Maybe they don't make the endorsements that they usually make for Democrat candidates. How does this play out, you think? Uh, how it plays out is how it has always played out. 
then the Democrat Party, there's a lot of push and pull. And, and to be fair, the same is the case with the Republican Party. By the time we reach midterms, the conversation is going to be very different. And they have the ways that they uh, can implement to get the conversation off this topic and to appease their supporters enough. Because, you, you know, to, to, to uh, essentially the situation that we're in is that the only voters that actually matter are in the middle, right? And they, if, if they turn one way or the other, they, 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 uh, you know, call the election, right? And so each party can hold, hold their true believers and people hostage. And the Republican Party did it to us. They're like, oh, do you guys want communism and socialism? Oh, you don't? Oh, you don't want cities burned down? Vote for us. And you're, you're cowards and don't do anything. And the same, the Democrat party can do the same thing. Oh, do you want, uh, you, you know, the, the N word group of people to go at, or N word, N A Z I word, the German word, uh, people to, uh, take over the country, then vote for us. German. You're, you are hostage to us. And that's essentially what happens. But there, <laughs> there's a lot of push and pull there and the pendulum is going to swing and we'll be really surprised at what happens. Now me, I'm a person with a background in research and development. I work in PR, I work in marketing and media messaging. So I know how all of this works. I know how they're seeding narratives as we speak right now to get things in the backs of people's minds that they can push really hard for. And if if 20 uh if 2020 was any uh indication, uh the media will go to the point of uh harassing and even uh pu putting people under great duress with hysterical messaging to try to prod them into a certain direction. So to, to, to be honest, at the end of the day, I think it's largely irrelevant. I think the right people that need to be quiet will be quelled to be quiet, and the right people that need to speak up will speak up. Did, did I use all those words? Is that why we have that screen? I, I, I heard at the end of the day. I heard at the end of the day. I didn't hear supply chain or you're on, you're on mute, so you're actually safe. But I did hear at the end okay, of the day. Uh, Britt, uh, you know, we're, we're almost at your 90-minute mark, which you've been pushing for. Uh, I've got some other things, but, man, we had such in-depth and, and good discussions on the the topics that uh, that we brought up uh, already that I think I think I've exhausted what I want to talk about tonight. I don't know if you've got something else that's pressing that you want to bring up before we call it a night. I have one funny thing to go around with. Um, surgeon admits to branding initials on patients' livers. This is over in Britain. So Dr. Simon, 53, admitted to <laughs> admitted to Birmingham Crown Court that he etched SB onto the livers of uh, two transplant patients in 2013 using an argon beam. Drew, what the hell is wrong with people these days? Well, you know, that's that's the, that's the reputation of surgeons, Britt. You know, they're these megalomaniacs. You know, they <laughs> save people's lives. They love that thing. They're superheroes. And so he's just leaving his little his little message behind, you know, kind of like Patagonia putting, you know, I don't know, the Antichrist on the back of their um, their labels or something like that. He's just leaving a little something <laughs> for you. You know, you don't even know what's there. Yeah. Rob, thoughts on this? Providence, sorry. Providence, thoughts on this? Uh, you might not like what I'm going to say. Um, I personally know, and I'll give no details on this, but I do personally know somebody else that has done this. Nice. I'm not going to say what they drew or what <laughs> pictures or symbols or initials were, oh were there, but... There are people that have uh, some artwork on the inside that they don't know about. These laser beams are too fun. That's the thing. <laughs> it's too fun to play with. Yeah. Uh, maybe they need to film these things. But really, at the end of the day, if you have a cool, you know, dragon like drawn like inside your 
your system. I don't I don't know if I'm too worried about that. So <laughs> Yeah, I just I saw that it made me laugh. Made me go, wait, what? Anyway, circling you back can't to the You can't say that, Britt. Did you read the thing? think about all this stuff? Wait, what? You can't say that. Uh, what I think is there's probably going to be a video come out, Surgeon's Gone Wild, anytime soon, and it'll be you know, a whole bunch of video clips of these types of things, and people will buy it and have a lot of fun. And uh, this guy probably has an alternative or an alternate uh, uh, pro, uh, personality or, or identity on TikTok, and he probably puts them up on TikTok and gets hundreds of thousands <laughs> of views, uh, and he's probably making some money. Hot? Huh? I wonder how we got caught. Well, probably somebody saw the TikTok video. <laughs> somebody probably saw the TikTok <laughs> video and uh, and and put it together. Um, you know who knows? Maybe you're, you're doing you're, the, listen, the, the, the listen, shoulder punch. Listen, you're a surgeon. You're only you know you're only making about a, a million three a year. You're in that operating room. You got to wait for the nurse to get the right clamp to you. You know, it takes a few minutes. You got to sterilize it, whatever. So what are you gonna do? You, you you etch something into somebody's liver. That's what you do. So that's how you that's how you pass the time. No harm, no foul. Crazy. Crazy. Well, what we need people to do is, number one, I'm going to release the scratchers right now over on Foxhole. Scratchers are being released as I speak. But if you could, smash like buttons, uh, subscribe on all the different platforms because, you know, we're going to we're gonna disappear from YouTube. Sometimes Foxhole doesn't go off. Sometimes I screw up uh, firing up Rumble. So you can find us other places. Providence, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Providence Ave on Twitter and Getter, um, maybe even Gab. Uh, you can find me on Twitch for gaming content if you're into that. What kind of gaming? Uh, Twitch.tv slash what kind of gaming? OMG, it's Providence. Slow down. Slow down. What kind of gaming? What do we what do we need to see on Twitch if we go over there? Yeah, yeah. So on, on Twitch, um, uh, I'm a part of, as you know, uh, Lauren, some bitch I know's community, and a bunch of us like to play party games together. So there's oh, nice. a Jackbox, there's some different drawing games. We just have fun. It's not political. It's not anything like that. None of my content on Twitch is ever like that. Yeah. Uh, but And then we play some video games together. We're just having fun. We're just there to have fun. Uh, you play but, Apex? Uh, I, I, what's that? Uh, no, I do not play, play Apex. Apex? <laughs> I'm currently playing a game called Phasmophobia, which is a ghost hunt. Oh yeah, we've game. played that. So that's my big Britt and thing. I played. played Britt and I played that last Halloween online for folks to watch and enjoy. Oh yeah. boy. Yeah, I got scared. Oh my gosh, I am. I'm in the right place. Then are you French? Anyways, <laughs> uh, so uh, also uh, YouTube Providence Action on YouTube. Uh, I may be having a broadcast here coming up shortly after we. Uh, stop with Momvidence, but we'll see how that goes. But hey, guys, thanks so much for having me. It's great to have a professional in driver's seat, JV. Britt, you're always awesome. Drew, you impressed me. You are incredible. Um, Going to be definitely following you after this for sure, dude. Drew. Oh, thanks, brother. I love, I love coming Thomas on here and meeting Allen a lot show. of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the, it, the Drew Allen show, yeah. I left the, the middle name out. It's too much. Overbearing. <laughs> too many first names oh, in that overbearing. name. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Drew Allen so show. We're all right, so Drew Allen show. Where else can they find you? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, the best place I've got my own website, DrewThomasAllen.com, but I, I have a Substack that has like a bigger following. It's DrewAllen.Substack.com. So I mean, basically, what that is, it's like you know, Victor Davis Hanson used to have his site, and every time he wrote an article, he'd stick it on Victor Davis Hanson. So I do the same thing. So you know, I had an article out, you know, at uh, you know wherever they are, BizPack Review this week. So I take it, I stick it on there, link to it. So and then I, I you know updates about the podcast or appearances I have. So I I do that there too. So yeah, 
I'm going to say something that I'm probably going to regret saying, Britt, and you can uh, you can clip this out later and play it in about three months and say you should never have said that. Uh, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we had a really terrific conversation with our friend Matt Couch last night after our you're saying, no, I shouldn't say this. Are you shaking? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm pissed at my computer. I'm frustrated. Oh, okay. Zapped out. Uh, our friend Matt Couch, after the program last night, we had him on for the Tuesday Night Patriots Roundtable. And we've decided that we're going to explore putting together some events with Matt. Uh, they will be Independence Gang uh, sponsored, if you will, events that we're going to be involved in. We're going to try to bring some of our Independence Gang panelists to these events, uh, do shows from the events, but also bring other notable political figures, you know, authors and that kind of thing, uh, and make it a real uh, weekend where people who want to talk about these issues can gather. I know there are other such events, but we're hoping to put our own spin on them and uh, make them fun and uh, keep your ears and eyes open because we will hopefully be announcing some of this stuff within a month or so. Did I say too much, yeah. Britt? Uh, now, events that people can afford. Because who the hell can afford six hundred dollars? Yeah, I mean, weekend, the, you know, yeah, things like CPAC and Turning Point. I mean, those are great events, but man, they're expensive for people to go to. Uh, I mean, obviously, people do because they sell out. But uh, we're hoping to do something that's a little bit more uh, blue collar, <laughs> you know, middle middle, yeah. middle class <laughs> that everybody can afford. And fun, and fun with so, great parties. Send matching. Send Matt Couch hugs and kisses for me because he blocked me on Twitter. Oh, okay. Hey, really? Good. <laughs> we'll have to have you both get, on the show together at debate. some point. We'll have you both get us on, on for a debate. I'd yeah. love that. What was it? Do you remember what you were debating about with him that he blocked you? Uh, I called him out for uh, spamming his uh, MySpace links to his little website that pops up ads in your face like crazy. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> so, okay. It's just a little tip for chat. Just a little, little fun stuff. A little fun it, my, my, It's a joke because MySpace used to be full of ads. Anyways. Yeah. Never mind. Just fun oh, sparring. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Anyway, uh, no offense, Matt. I love you, brother. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to debate you. That'd be fun. Uh, thanks to everybody for joining <laughs> us tonight. We had a great crowd on all the platforms. We appreciate it. As Britt said, make sure you subscribe and follow in multiple locations because you never know where we're going to be axed next or which platform is going to crash yeah. next. Uh, we are really making an effort to uh, support the Gitter platform. Uh, we we like it. Uh, it uh, seems to be a great alternative to Twitter as people flee Twitter because it's become such a disaster, a self-made disaster. So you can find us over on, uh, on Getter um, working hard there. So anyway, thanks for being here. We'll see you tomorrow night for the Patriots Roundtable. Take care, everyone.